Good afternoon, Lafayette. This whoa, sorry. Headphones a little too loud. Let me let me turn that down a bit. All right. Good morning, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham. Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham. Okay, let's let's start this over. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Joe Cunningham show here on the here on News Talk 965. Uh KPL. This is Joe Cunningham. Glad to be with y'all. Oh man. Uh so I it, it's been a busy afternoon. Um there's no show notes, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. No show notes for right now. I will have something up tonight, though, so so be prepared for that. But uh, th- there's a lot of stuff. So last night, last night, very big news. Um, the David Thibodeau STEM Magnet Academy Bulldog soccer team shut out, a, uh, shut out their opponent 8-0. Mercy ruled them, including a beautiful, beautiful bike kick from Atticus Solis who was on the team, uh, it, I think he's a freshman, and just a very talented soccer team. Dirty little secret, I love high school soccer. I mean, I, I've, I coach middle school soccer. I'm good friends with the, the soccer coach at David Thibodeau, Derek Menard. He's a fantastic coach, has a great squad over there, but I like watching the sport. I realize um, not a whole lot of soccer fans, unless you pay attention to the area uh, soccer teams, uh, but I, it, it, it's fun to watch. It's always fun to uh, to watch these uh, these teams when they go out and play. Very uh, very fun night. And of course, while this is going on, yes, I am getting texts. I'm getting alerts that uh, Flor- a retired Florida man has once again announced his bid for president for the third time in a row. Donald Trump will be running. Man, um, we are more than seven hundred days out. More than 700 days away from the 2024 election, Donald Trump, if elected, would tie Joe Biden for the oldest man to be elected to the president of the United States. Kevin McCarthy has potentially won speakership of the House, you know, once we get to the actual election of um, of the speaker, when the full house is seated after everybody's sworn in, Mitch McConnell has won the GOP support for minority leader. That ruins Rick Scott's chances of developing even more of a platform ahead of 2024. Ronald Romney McDaniel still wants to be the head of the RNC. The good news is that uh, I think it's Steve Daines. Steve Daines of Montana, I believe. Let me find that real quick. Um, where is it? Uh, yeah, Steve Daines of Montana. Senator from Montana will be taking over as chair of the NRSC. That is good news for the NRSC. Danes is a pretty good guy, and it will be uh, nice to see some competency at the NRSC. But look, Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, all of these folks, Ronald Romney McDaniel, all people who have been in charge when the GOP had it all and then lost it. They have watched the GOP absolutely slip. And ironically, as much as he's hated by conservatives, Mitch McConnell did the most to try to avert that uh, 
that that loss of power. But I mean, Ronald Romney McDaniel, chair of the RNC during 2018, 2020, and 2022, which were disasters for the GOP. 2020 could have been a lot worse. Republicans overperformed. Uh, 2022 should have been a big Republican year, but Ronald Romney McDaniel supported a lot of the folks who ended up losing. 2018, 2020, 2022. At some point, at some point, the GOP has got to say, we've got to stop doing the same thing over and over. Definition of insanity and all that, right? I've been very, very vocally opposed to Mitch McConnell. For years, there is digital ink all over the internet of me disliking, disapproving of calling him the, the biggest supervillain in the conservative movement or the biggest supervillain of the conservative movement, even more than any Democrat. But objectively looking at it, Mitch McConnell did far more to keep Republicans elected. Rick Scott did nothing. The NRSC took in millions of dollars, had to give a bunch of it back, and was barely able to spend anything that made any sort of difference and backed bad candidates. Rick Scott wanted to be uh, the person who was behind these up-and-coming stars, but these up-and-coming stars were so focused on Trump in 2020, the voters said, no, we don't want to look back at the past, we want to move forward. And they stuck with the Democrats. They stuck with the status quo rather than moving backwards. That's what you need to understand. Mitch McConnell's Senate Leadership Fund is currently spending $14.2 million in Georgia, while the NRSC is spending $700,000. The SLF, the Senate Leadership Fund, is also taking over Brian Kemp's ground game operation. There's a partnership between Brian Kemp and Mitch McConnell to try to get Herschel Walker across the finish line. But McConnell also has to go. All defense of his spinning and his tactics aside, Mitch McConnell has to go as well. Not particularly a fan of Rick Scott either. Rick Scott has credit as a businessman, but also left a lot of devastation in the business world in his wake when he left to go into politics. He was an okay governor of Florida, but his time has come and gone. If he wanted to be a major influencer on the national stage, he should, stage, he should have stayed in Florida. But here we are. We now need some fresh faces in the Republican Party taking up leadership roles. I wish Steve Scalise had been able to get the nod for speaker. He would be a much better speaker. He hasn't overseen the collapse of House Republicans. He hasn't overseen the disaster that was the fracturing of the caucus before, during, and after Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy does not have a conservative bone in his body. Kevin McCarthy has pro-Kevin McCarthy bones in his body. Steve Scalise, some conservatives view him as establishment, some view him as a conservative. He can straddle that line very well and help guide the House caucus in ways McCarthy can't and won't. On the Senate side, Tim Scott, Mike Lee, uh, numerous, numerous conservative senators that you could put into a leadership role in an instant. Instead, we've got Mitch McConnell versus Rick Scott. 
Mitch McConnell's probably going to be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate until he decides to step down. At that point, it's a free-for-all, and I hope that one of the good conservatives can step up and get leadership. And as for Trump, unless you are feeling really threatened, you don't announce you're running for president, you don't file the paperwork more than 700 days away from the election. The big Republican donors are already looking at the Ron DeSantis's of the conservative movement. And they're backing that horse instead. And that's got Trump freaked out. So Trump announced that he's going to run for president. And here's the tell. Do you know who was most excited about it? The mainstream media and the Democratic Party. I write for a conservative publication, Red State. I have friends at several conservative publications. I have several friends all over conservative media. And the most positive, the, the most positive take from some of these publications was, meh. They can't bring themselves to be excited for Trump again. And these aren't establishment. These aren't Uh, moderate, these aren't rhinos, these are good conservatives, the type of people that if they had a political bone in their body other than just being good writers and full of good ideas, they would be the people you'd want in office. But conservative publications largely ignored it or were critical of it. The media is salivating all over it. The Democrats are salivating all over it. And that's a problem. That's something that Republicans have to see, and Republicans do have to move forward. Maybe Trump, maybe Trump can win the nomination. Maybe he can give Biden a run for his money. But Trump himself has to move forward. All right, let's take a break. 232-1542 if you want to call in. We've got a lot of news to talk about. Report cards for our schools came out today. What's in that? We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, I, I don't want to focus on on Florida man uh, yelling at clouds anymore. I, I, I don't want that. That was it. Um, I want to move on from that. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see uh, what comes of that. But again, we are so far out and there's still a whole lot of the field that needs to uh, needs to come into play here. It's just impossible to make any predictions right now. Based on the data from the midterms, I don't think the chances are very high. I mean, Republicans, uh, Republicans who were endorsed by or ran as Trump people, they ran behind on an average about five points they ran behind other Republicans who weren't, who ran as their own people, who focused on the issues. Uh, Republicans lost independence in that race. The, the, out of party, the out of power party in midterms doesn't lose independence, except on rare occasion. This is one of them. There are some bits and pieces of data from the midterms that suggest it won't go over so well, but we're still very far out. And we need the field to shape up a little bit more. Uh, an update to the story from yesterday about Poland that that we need to get into that. You heard a little bit of it on the Fox News cuts earlier. Um, the missile that fell into Poland killed two Polish civilians. Looks like it was part of maybe uh, a missile defense system or something like that. And 
it fell into Polish territory. Looks like it was Ukrainian. Still not quite sure the U.S. and NATO are backing up Poland's claims that we don't think it was a Russian missile that fell here. We think it was part of a missile defense system or, or whatever. And so not going to drag Poland into World War III or anything like that. Why is it when there's a world war, Ukraine, Poland, and Russia are somehow involved? Anyway, uh, but what the what Poland is saying, what the U.S. and NATO are saying is ultimately, yeah, the fault is on Russia because this war was unjustified. There is this movement in the con- in, uh, among conservatives in the Republican Party and I know some of y'all listening feel the same way that we need to go back to being uh, isolated. We need that isolationist. We need to focus on America and America only. We need to withdraw from the world stage. I don't think at this point you properly can. Whenever the U.S. withdraws from the world stage, I mean, look at, look at the history Typically, bad things happen in the world. The isolationist strain of American politics tends to actually give way, not on purpose, but just because of destabilizing factors of the U.S. not being there, it gives way to there being chaos all over the place. That's kind of what I was talking about a bit yesterday. In order for there to be a proper balance in the world, the U.S. needs to be on the world stage. The U.S. and its allies need to be on the world stage to counterbalance what Russia and China in particular are doing. The Chinese want to be the dominant global power. In the absence of the U.S., that's going to happen. Russia would like to be a dominant global power, but they've been screwing that up with their paper tiger army. Russia and China were hoping to be best buds to counteract the West. But China has looked at Russia with a lot of disappointment. So that's an issue for the Chinese. The Chinese want to destabilize the world and come out on top. The U.S. and its allies have to be there. And if that means sending money and weapons to Ukraine, that is something that really does seriously need to be considered. And yes, I understand the spending, I understand the, the exhaustion with wars that the U.S. has been a part of. I get all that, and I'm not saying you're wrong. But it's not an all-or-nothing thing. There has to be some way for the U.S. to stay actively engaged. Yes, give some support where needed, but not be drawn into forever conflicts. And the Republicans, being a party that is very pro-military, that is very pro-foreign policy and pro-U.S. involvement in the world, the Republicans, if they can find the right tune, the right chord to strike on that, are the ones who are best able to bring solutions that people can agree with. Now, we're getting to winter. And during the winter... We are going to see fighting slow down a lot. Russian and Ukrainian winter is tough. You can't have a whole lot of massive military deployment when the snow is impossible to pass through. So there will be a slowdown, and that will be a time for both sides and the U.S. and the West and others to come to the table and try to force a peace agreement. 
But Russia is not just going to withdraw everything in Ukraine, is pretty much vowing to not stop until all of Russia is gone. So we don't know when this conflict is going to end, but with winter coming, there's a chance. All right, 232-1542. When we come back, let's talk about report cards for our schools. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Okay, let's start this all over again. Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the show, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Yes, did it. Nailed it. All right, sorry. For those of y'all who were here at the beginning of the show, I screwed up the intro because my mind is scattered today. So uh, I decided to go ahead and do it again. Plus, uh, Scott, who's listening in through uh, and is, is paying attention on the KPL app, sent a message said, uh, great intro music. So there we are. Definitely, uh, definitely wanted to get that out again. Plus, I just love that song. Anyway, let's go into the state news of the day, which is the report cards for our schools. Um, we could talk about, you know, who's running for governor now, but at this point, uh, I think Mark is any day now going to declare his candidacy as well. Uh, cause let's just throw everybody in there. But, uh, we, we had good news here in Lafayette parish and actually Louisiana as a whole had good news. Louisiana by and large is roughly back to where it was pre pandemic. And, we had through all over the country, we had a lot of learning loss because of school closures, because of the shutdowns and everything during the pandemic. Louisiana had systems in place to be able to get back to school quicker here in Lafayette Parish, uh, really moved quickly to put in a hybrid system that got kids back into the classroom sooner. As a result, test scores look pretty good for Lafayette Parish, and that factored in with a lot of other things means good school scores. Now, the school performance score, the SPS, isn't just test scores. It's a lot of things. Uh, graduation rates, uh, test scores, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, strength of degree, everything. There, there's a lot of factors that go into this mathematical formula. There's a lot to be proud of in Lafayette Parish. Uh, you're, you have 13 schools, 13 schools out of 42 13 out of 42 schools had an A. Uh, 15 schools had a B. I think 12 had a C, and there were two with a D, and that was it. No Fs whatsoever. The schools with an A, Early College Academy, Myrtle Place Elementary, David Thibodeau, Stem Madden Academy, Go Bulldogs, Ernest Gallup, uh, Southside, Green T. Linden, Woodvale, Lafayette High, Elio Judice, Milton, L.J. Alamon, Broadmoor, and uh, Marshall Beale. Those are the schools that got an A in school performance score. You'll note that the majority of those are elementary schools. Lafayette Parish elementary school system is pretty strong, but there are also just a lot of elementary schools in the parish. Uh, but a lot to be proud of. Uh, Myrtle Place is a blue is a national blue ribbon school because of their growth just in the testing alone from last year to this year. So let's let's talk about the school scores. Let's talk about all that for a minute. 13 A schools. Um, Early College Academy uh, had the highest score. You know, they were a top 10 in the state with their score, uh, Early College. 
their SPS was 131.5, which that number may not mean anything, but that, that's a really good score. Uh, Myrtle Place, David Thibodeau, um, Ernest Gallet, Southside, all had over 100. Uh, the rest were in the 90s. And when you break it down by the classification of the school, a lot of things look really good. Um, David Thibodeau is the only combination school in the parish. It's a 612 school. So they're in their own category. They're the only combination school. They had an A. Um, they'd shown growth from 2019, which is the last time an official SPS score was released because of the pandemic. They've grown about five points in SPS since 2019. On the elementary school level, you had, uh, like I said, A's from Broadmoor, uh, Ernest, Linden, uh, Judice, Alamon, uh, B.O., Milton, uh, it's Milton Elementary Middle, I believe. Yeah, Milton Elementary uh, Middle School. So uh, Myrtle Place, Woodvale, those were all A elementary schools. At the high school level, Early College, Lafayette High, Southside High, the only pure high schools with an A. Then you had Acadiana High, Karen Crow, and Como with Bs, and only Northside with a C. Uh, Northside only had a C. So there is some growth from North. Actually, Northside showed about a seven points growth from 2019 to the present. That's a big jump. Uh, there, there are good things happening in Northside. A slow shift in culture. There are still some issues, naturally, but there are a lot of positive changes in the culture over at Northside. We as a parish have made good strides. And I say that as somebody who's worked in the school system, somebody who has observed the school system from both the inside and the outside. As a state, there are some good things. Vermilion Parish was uh, a top 10 parish in terms of school performance score. Uh, you had growth in several of the parishes. In fact, let me look uh, some of the Acadiana parishes. Uh, Cameron Parish, A, uh Let's see, Lafayette, a B Parish, Vermilion Parish, B Parish, uh, St. Mary, B. A lot of the surrounding parishes all in that A to B range. Uh, You had a C in uh, St. Landry Parish uh, and Evangeline Parish. But a lot of our Acadiana area parishes all at that B level, all showing some growth. Uh, Lafayette Parish... Uh, grew five points from in terms of overall parish score. So that is a good sign for Lafayette Parish. Vermilion Parish had a slight dip from then to now, but a lot of parishes saw a dip primarily because of COVID-19. And when you are a high-performing parish, it tends to be harder to be high-performing when you have so much loss. But there is a lot of growth across the state. And the state, uh, the state Department of Education, Dr. Kate Brumley, the superintendent of the Board of Elementary and Secondary Education, they have been working to put in place a lot of reforms, a lot of different policies to help keep that advancement going. Uh, on a Zoom call with uh, stakeholders and reporters today, uh, Brumley said, all right, we're glad to be here. We had a great one. Now let's keep moving. Like, this isn't the time to settle. There is a lot in the education system that does need work, though. 
We, as observers primarily of the political scene, you and I both know that civic education just We can observe it in the society around us. Civic education has not been all that great. We do not have people that are engaged in the civic process. We do not have people, we do not have citizens that frankly know the civic process very well. And as a result, frankly, we get the quality leaders that we get. And that does need to change. I would be very interested to know what changes we can expect to see, particularly at the social studies level. I've talked about some of the ones that are proposed and are coming in the, in the future, but we are going to need more. How does that tie into things like reading and writing and basic literacy? There are proposals that are out there to try to pick up literacy at the lower grades because when you pick them up at the lower grades, the students are better prepared in the higher grades. College preparedness. How prepared are our kids in going to college? How prepared are our kids for the job, uh, for the job sector, for the uh, to be fully employed adults, and not just kids that are working at a fast food restaurant, not just kids that are working part time at a store somewhere, but people who have full time jobs, whether they go straight out of college, whether they go straight out of high school, are they prepared for the real world? As much as teaching kids about physics and calculus is important, frankly, we need to do more financial literacy for our kids as well. Sure, balancing a checkbook isn't a skill that's used all that much anymore with the advent of apps and debit cards, but kids still need to know the basic ideas of a budget and how not to spend outside your means, what a credit card actually means and how interest actually works in those. What does it take to rent versus buying a house? Basic financial literacy and life skills that students don't get in high school, despite the fact that not every kid is destined for college. There is loads of potential out there. And the, the growth in school score, the growth in the academics shows it. But at the same time as we're getting our kids prepared for college and prepared for these nice degrees where they will make six figures once they find the right place and basically because it's Louisiana, outside of Louisiana, as much as it, may, it pains us to say it, because you can't find that many six-figure jobs in Louisiana if you don't have specific niche training in one of our industries. But man, if you could go in and you could have basic financial literacy, and you can, you can land a forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year job out of college and have that financial literacy and start saving your way and have a very successful adult life, that would be terrific. We don't have enough of that. Would love to see more. All right, your thoughts, 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app. More of your news of the day to round out the show here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, did have a listener reach out uh, in the last segment, got to the, got with them during the break. Uh, so anybody whose child goes to one of our charter schools, I did not leave y'all out intentionally, especially uh, Acadiana Renaissance Charter Academy, uh, they're just not part of LPSS. They are their own thing. They're actually listed by the state as their own uh, district. So, for example, Acadiana Renaissance Charter Academy is in a school, got an SPS of 99.7, very close to that 100 mark, which is great. 
uh, but they are listed in their own district. Their district on the official spreadsheet is Acadiana Renaissance Charter Academy. Um, Lafayette Renaissance Charter Academy, uh, a com- another combination uh, charter school, got a C. Um, so you kind of see where uh, the charter academies are as well. The, the, the great thing about Louisiana is that charter schools tend to be allowed to flourish, and, and, be, and it's truly kind of the, the mark of what school choice people are looking for in terms of, you know, let the private schools, let the private sector, let the charter schools and all these non-traditional public schools, let them have their chance and see just how well they do competing against, because the, the basic idea is competition, um, so happy to see that our charter academies are also, uh, are also, uh, represented in doing, uh, pretty well on our school scores, especially Acadiana Renaissance Charter. Now, before we get out of here, just a, a couple more of the news stories of the day. I think one of the big ones right now, uh, looking at the national scene, let me find this real quick. Cause this is, this is pretty important. Uh, going back to the infighting in Republicans in the Senate, you know, Ron Johnson, who just kind of scraped by in Wisconsin, uh, was a lot closer of a race than it should have been. Ron Johnson is the one who nominated Rick Scott for Senate GOP leader over Mitch McConnell. Johnson has not been without controversy. Johnson has been uh, under a lot of attack in recent years and the claim and so Johnson was claiming uh, that Rick Scott set Ron DeSantis up for success in Florida that is not going to play very well with team DeSantis with the DeSantis folks in Florida first of all DeSantis won with a historic uh his historic margin. I mean, we're talking a 19 point, almost a 20 point margin, something Rick Scott never came close to. DeSantis was able to grow in huge ways and it wasn't because of Rick Scott. Rick Scott left the state in DeSantis hands. DeSantis barely won in 2018. This time he comes back after his own governance wins majorities. I just gets a huge demographic boost in all the, in all the non-white categories and is wins solidly in the state. Um, and DeSantis doesn't get along with Rick Scott. They see Rick Scott as kind of a, a, a showboaty guy who is all about Rick Scott and not about Florida. Johnson made similar remarks, by the way, this is being pointed out by Mark Caputo of NBC News, who I, who I genuinely like. Mark is a great guy and a great reporter. Uh, Johnson made similar remarks during a Newsmax interview where the Wisconsin senator credited Scott to a certain extent setting up Ron DeSantis for success. Um, And then somebody apparently sent uh, Caputo a message because he said this sums up the reaction of many DeSantis in orbit. And it's just a message he got of of somebody with a laughing emoji. I mean, just the DeSantis world does not respect Rick Scott, it sounds like. And frankly, I don't blame him. Rick Scott is Rick Scott's all about Rick Scott. Kevin McCarthy's all about Kevin McCarthy. Mitch McConnell to a certain extent is about Mitch McConnell, but he does so in just smarter and more strategic ways and ways that have frankly benefited the Republican party. Again, you wouldn't have had Roe versus Wade overturned if not for Mitch McConnell. You have to, that, that has, yes, Trump is the one who put the nominees forward, 
But the nominees came from Federal Society list choreographed by Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the one who followed through with nuking the filibuster for judicial nominees to include Supreme Court nominees. He's the one who held his ground against Merrick Garland for the Supreme Court. He did a lot to make sure that the Supreme Court was set up to overturn Roe versus Wade. And yeah, that may have been part of what cost the GOP their chances at taking the Senate. But there's a lot of conservatives who are frankly fine with losing the Senate if it means Roe versus Wade getting overturned and the issue of abortion returning to the states. Rick Scott, Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, Ronald McDaniels, all these people who are currently leaders in the Republican Party are all about themselves. They're not for you and me. They are about themselves. And the GOP really needs to find better leaders. They need to find people who can put good conservative governance out there, good conservative policies out there, and really, really shape the Republican landscape going forward because focusing on the past is simply not going to do it. All right, guys, talk to you again in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And as always, sign up for the show notes, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Guess what? Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, follow me on social media. Talk to you guys again real soon right here on KPL.